This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands in monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. Couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. The member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one on one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say, my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more win those championships pause the podcast right now sign up and you can thank me later in the group chat what's happening guys happy wednesday and welcome to the dynasty war zone deep people's dynasty podcast and this week's topic it's finally here we're gonna break them down we're gonna rank them 10 down to one the double trouble running back tandems throughout the nfl uh might even throw a couple of honorable mentions in there but we're going to get to that in just one minute. Uh, no Jerry tonight. So Jerry and I are having a very tough time lining up our schedules for multiple shows a week. Not only am I doing two shows here on the Dynasty Warzone feed, but I've also got the Dynasty Happy Hour contractor as well as our Patreon show. So to get Jerry on the Patreon and the one show a week is about the best that we can do right now. So, But I am not alone. Uh, I am here with old friend and a guy with a new show, you know him still to this day as Kyle August, a.k.a. at KyleFFFellas on Twitter. He also does some writing over at Red Shirts, including some DFS NASCAR type stuff. And he is the man behind the new show, The Fantasy Football Smackdown. You can find the show at FF Smackdown Pod on Twitter. Welcome back, my friend. Let's, uh, let's talk about this new show. What's up, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's been... It's been a uh, I don't know maybe a month or so since I, I talked to you on on this podcast, but yeah, man, it's been a, a new ride with the Fantasy Football SmackDown. If listeners of my show in the past with my co-host Seth, the Fantasy Football Fellows, man, we had an awesome run, uh, four years, five hundred episodes, and it just kept us busy. But a lot of things changed during that time as well, and and my co-host just kind of felt like it was time to step away. But I still love podcasting, I still have a passion for it, so uh rebranded the show uh it's all in the same feed so if you're if you were subscribed in the past the fellas maybe you haven't checked it out in a few weeks uh check your podcast feed for the fantasy football smackdown brother you were my first guest on that podcast we had a lot of fun talking uh just a couple weeks ago um talking about some of our rookie shares coming out of this 2020 rookie draft season and everything uh so it's been a ton of fun but yeah I i would definitely recommend check out the fantasy football smackdown you can find it on all your major podcasting platforms had some great guests over the last few weeks as well. Already dropped a bonus episode for you guys. So I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. And uh, do I, I actually, it's as a recording, this the the show for this week hasn't dropped, but I, I stole your co-host 
<laughs> because Jerry uh, was on this week's episode of the SmackDown. We recorded a little early. So, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was good. So if your listeners want to hear Jerry, check out the Tuesday, uh, June 23rd episode of the SmackDown. Huh. Can't get our schedules to line up, huh? I was gonna. You were saying that. I'm like, oh damn. <laughs> go to, go, it's, uh, it's like it's like catching your wife sending inappropriate text messages or pictures to some other dude. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, man. But it, it, we had a lot of fun. We had uh, Jerry. I'll, I'll preview it for the for the listeners if if they haven't heard it yet. But I had Jerry on. I wanted to have him on because uh, I roped him into a auction league. It was his first auction league. Um, we the three of us, uh, our buddy. Uh, Sipes from the from the uh, Dynasty Trades HQ show. We were on the Open Bar podcast about a couple months ago, and Jerry mentioned like at the end, kind of offhand, like, "Oh, I've never even done an auction league before." So I roped him into that. We had a great discussion on the SmackDown about um, auction leagues, playing on Reality Sports Online, which is new for a lot of people as well, and it was new for him. So check that out. But uh, I do have one other thing to plug. If that's cool, uh, plug away, sir. All right. So one, if you guys are listening to this on the release date. Uh, one week from today, July the 1st, is that I'm going to be trying something a little bit new. I uh, announced this on the SmackDown yesterday, but I'm going to be hosting a virtual happy hour. Uh, it'll, be on, it'll be on Zoom, and anybody that wants to come and just hang out, ask questions, trade, trade advice, talk about 2020, or just general questions about podcasts or whatever, I don't care, life advice. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of just meeting new listeners through this new show format, this new type of this rebrand. Uh, but I also want to make it kind of you know, give back a little bit as well. So uh, in order to get invited to this uh, virtual happy hours, that there's going to be a $5 cover charge. But what that's going to be is just at least a minimum $5 donation to our buddies over at the Scott Fishbowl Potathon, which is going to be the following weekend. So I think it ties in really nice. So if you want to get in on the happy hour, it's going to be again, uh, July 1st, that's a Wednesday. Uh, all you need to do is send at least a $5 donation to the SFB Potathon guys. You can check them out on Twitter at SFB Potathon. There's a PayPal link. Just uh, send your donation over there and send a screenshot to uh, my email address for the new show, fantasyfootballsmackdown at gmail.com. I know it's long, but fantasyfootballsmackdown at gmail.com. And I'm looking forward to just kind of hanging out with some people, having a drink, kind of just shooting back a little low key, uh, but meeting some people and, and also donating some money to a great cause in the process. So, um, you know, the, those guys over the Potathon already reached their goal of, <laughs> of $10,000 for fantasy cares, which is nuts. Um, those guys have been killing it. So if we can do, give a little bit extra toward for those guys, we're going to be spending an entire day of their lives entertaining us ahead of the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I figured, why the hell not? So I'm looking forward to trying that out. I I think that's a wonderful idea. And and you guys, the the regular listener here to the Dynasty Warzone might be like, you lazy SOB. You, you've had Kyle on recently. You've had your buddy JD on. Now, Kyle was brought back very strategically. Again, uh, apparently Jerry's moonlighting on another podcast. I didn't know that, but Jerry and I have had a tough time lining up our schedule, but I still want to try to get two shows out a week, but I hand selected Kyle for this very reason. So Kyle, myself, Jerry, and old friend and former co-host of the dynasty Warzone, Mike Jernigan threw some, uh, threw some bucks together, Kyle, and mm -hmm. we bought a thing. You want to tell him what thing we bought? Yeah, we uh, the, MJ was definitely the brains behind this, but he reached out um, and it, it was a great idea. So, uh, we we purchased a uh, a autographed DK Metcalf jersey, which one of the biggest names right now in Dynasty, obviously uh, coming off of a fantastic rookie season. So uh, MJ put this thing together. We will come together and purchase this uh, jersey and uh, and looking to do some good with it. 
Well, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to do some good for the Dynasty Warzone. We're going to do some good for the Fantasy Football Smackdown. And we're going to do some good for the world in general. So, so here's how you get a chance to win this jersey. Now, this is a authenticated speed green. Is that the right color? Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably the right way to put it. That's it's the Seahawks green jersey. It's that, pretty sweet. It's looks that, good. That that, that neon lime ish mm -hmm. with navy blue letters signature right on. I think the four in the fourteen yep. of his number. Uh, again, comes with a full certification. It's it's pretty easy to win, and this thing was not cheap. But you can't buy it, so you can get it for free. Here's how. So, to get one entry into the raffle. To do this, all you got to do is go to Fantasy Football Smackdown on iTunes or any review platform and leave a five-star review. In the review, you leave your name or your Twitter handle so that we can add you to the raffle. That gets you one entry. While you're there, you can then switch over to the Dynasty Warzone feed and you can do the exact same thing. Leave a five-star and in the comments, you can leave your name, your Twitter handle, or your email address so that again we can get a hold of you that gets you two entries and then for a third entry this is the bonus entry because it was Mike Jernigan and he was always here for that IDP bonus back in the day <laughs> to get that bonus third entry all you got to do is send us a picture of you doing good in the neighborhood whether that's working for Habitat for Humanity whether that's you working at a, like a like maybe serving food at a homeless shelter um, donating time at a nursing home, coaching Little League, or any donation of your time, again, you doing good in the neighborhood. This, much like Kyle's virtual happy hour, this is inspired to have us, have you guys uh, share with us doing good in the neighborhood. And mm -hmm. as we've been doing for a while here at the Dynasty Warzone, if you don't venture into the cesspool that is Twitter, cool, just put your, just put your name in the review. You could put Kyle August in, in, in there. Now, Kyle's not eligible, but you could put Dang your it. yeah, It's a sweet jersey. But, but you, put your, you put your name in there. Take the screenshot of one review. Take the screenshot of the other review. Send us the picture of you doing good in the neighborhood, and you can just email it to us. You can email it to me at dynastywarzone at gmail.com. Again, dynastywarzone at gmail.com. Or email them to Kyle at fantasyfootballsmackdown.com, and he and I are going to collect these. We're going to collect them, and then we will go live on YouTube uh, the weekend. I think it's August 9th and 10th, and you and I will combine all of the entries. We will write them down. We will put them in a hat or on ping pong balls or something, and we will draw it out live on the Dynasty Warzone YouTube feed. So if you're interested, yeah. pretty, pretty simple to do it, um, and it helps us grow our shows so that, that's what we want to do speaking of youtube i promised there would be a youtube there was a live stream on sunday the 21st now guys i gotta warn you it was rough kyle it was rough. kyle you haven't watched it yet have you i have not we were talking about it before the show but I, i'm intrigued now R rough uh, now first of all i am wearing an old school pride mixed martial arts shirt before uh they were purchased by the ufc uh my guest was a gentleman named nick he is going to be on the Dynasty Happy Hour contractor here in the not-too-distant future. And, you know, he was kind enough to jump on. Well, we streamed it live. I'm going to clean up the audio. You can still do the audio-only version on Friday or Saturday this weekend over on the Dynasty Happy Hour feed if you're interested in that. And last thing, I got two things. The, the Patreon, dude, these guys have been killing it. Uh, so, Kyle, you're in the Scott Fishbowl, right? 
Yes, made it in. Skin of my teeth. Uh, do, do, do you know what division you're in yet? Uh, I do not. I did not request a division. So uh, I did look it up yesterday because I was chatting with somebody and they asked if I knew yet. And I was like, oh, nope, not sure. So I don't know yet. I am a G.I. Joe. Yo, Joe. Mm. I, I, I got what I asked for. That, and that's tough, man. That's a that's a sought after spot right there. I, I got the number five spot. I love you you've been in a lot of drafts with me over the years. I love drafting in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like being able to stem the tide against a run, or I like creating one. You mm-hmm. know, if 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 two I don't know tight ends go in a row, and I want to tack on that third, then I'm going to start that fire. Ver- versus if the fire's already started and I need to jump in there, I can either go against the stream. Being in the middle just really really works for me but our patreons over at patreon.com forward slash dynasty warzone uh i think one of our patreons managed to get a spot and instead of boohooing and and, uh, putting a tear in their beer what they did was they started the fourth patreon league and they're they are playing this league by scott fishbowl 10 rules so the exact same scoring system of the scott fishbowl in 2020 will be the scoring system for life in the Patreon for Dynasty League. What do you think about that? that dude, that's pretty sweet. I, I dig it. That's, uh, that, yeah, no, no pouting. Go out there, make it happen, and uh, build some camaraderie, too, because you're gonna, if they're Patreons, you know it's going to be a damn good league, so you can't miss out on that. For sure, man, and, and that's the one thing. That, that's the best thing I can tell you that, that the Patreon really offers, beyond the help of me and Jerry, but it's the tribe. You know, my, my wife is a, a pretty good CrossFit athlete, and part of the reason why she fell in love with the, I guess we'll call it the sport, is that, you know, she calls her people her tribe. And I would say from a fantasy football standpoint, I've got a lot of good friends like yourself, Nick Whalen, the guys in the GOAT Leagues, but this Patreon has become our tribe. It's, you know, several dozen of us, and it's a, a great time. So if you're interested in that, head over to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. We'll, uh, we'll get you fixed up. You can check us out on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Been doing more on Instagram. Uh, Twitter. Twitter's a cesspool, so I do a lot more at DFF Memphis. Uh, Kyle, you're at Kyle FF Fellas, that's correct? Yeah, still sticking with the Fellas handle for now. So at Kyle FF Fellas uh, for all the dropping a few articles here and there, Fantasy Pros, Red Shirts, and then obviously doing podcasts and jumping on anywhere else I can. So just uh, throwing out a bunch of content whenever, whenever possible. Uh, absolutely and uh, how's the dfs for nascar going you got off to a hot start have you stayed hot yeah it's it's been going okay uh it's it's definitely uh something different i'm not i like playing dfs but it's kind of been more casual in the past beyond football um so with nascar i've always kind of dabbled in that little bit opportunity opened up because there's nothing else going on right now unless you want to play like korean baseball or something i don't even know hold on Uh, hold on i'm cutting you off (laughs) Yeah, my, my second favorite sport, mixed martial arts, is still going. That that's true. But how many of those? How many? How many uh, events have they had? Uh, they've had at least five or six. Oh, they, see, they, I, they've done three in a row in in Las Vegas. They're getting ready to go to Fight Island. Yeah. So I uh, I've I've definitely been hearing about that, and I and I dig. So the thing that stings, I'm not a huge like MMA guy, but our go-to watering hole pretty much uh for where it's it's kind of like in between where all my buddies live too which is great um it's really it's good bar and they don't have a cover charge for ufc fight nights so we'll go there and and uh watch fights you know and not have to pay 20 dollars a head or whatever and it's it's awesome so like when the ufc kind of came back that was the part i was like oh man i miss like being out and all that but uh you're right you're right they are back so one of the few it's been good to see (laughs) uh actually they they were the pioneers Nah, and, and, uh, and going back post-COVID, Dana White does does not care. 
about your rules and be like, I'll just buy an island. How strong is that? I'll just be, that's like a Roger Goodell NFL move. We're like, what the hell with you guys? We'll just go buy an island. Yeah. Uh, All right, man. These people have probably hit the fast forward button enough on their, on their podcast player. We, we better get into some running backs before they, uh, they, they, uh, they, they come after. So when I say a, a running back tandem is a double trouble, that means to me that, Week in, week out, you can at least start both guys. Now, one guy may be an RB2, one guy may be like an RB3 flex. But I'll tell you, as the leagues that I join, uh, like our, our Patreon leagues, it's it's most of the time it's super flex, which is, you know, two positions, one tight end, which is another position, and then seven other players, usually some combination of running backs and wide receivers. So nowadays, you know, you're going to have COVID this year. Uh, hopefully that's it. Hopefully it doesn't drag into the 2021 season. And then next year, you're going into 17 regular season games. So depth, particularly at the running back position, is going to be uh, at an all-time importance and an all-time high. So these backfields that we're going to talk about tonight, I believe that you can start both guys week in, week out. I'm ranking these. Uh, Kyle's going to tell me if he agrees, if he thinks I'm I'm, I'm full of mess. And we're going to get into it. So I'm going to hit you with a couple of honorable mentions first. They didn't make the top team, but I'm interested in both. I, I think you'll be able to use both guys at times. My, my first one is the Miami Dolphins. That would be Matt Breda and Jordan Howard. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Breda guy in PPR. Now, if you're in a half-point PPR, I think Jordan Howard's going to have much more uh, value there than he will in full-point PPR. Now, Chan Gailey, uh, his last two years in the league – he put a lot of receptions in the hands of guys like Chris Ivory, guys like Matt Forte. I mean, these guys had some really good seasons under Gailey, and I think Breda is going to work. I really hope as a Breda fan, they really use him kind of more like an Austin Eckler where his rushes are more limited, and they use him more in the receiving game uh, to keep him fresh. But I could really see a Matt Forte, Chris Ivory. There's a name for you. Uh, tandem yeah. here. So, so, so what, what do you think of these two before we get going into number 11? I, I do like the opportunity uh, when you look at their values right now. I mean, you're especially like when you just look at recent after, you know, after the draft, Breda being draft uh, traded on draft day, uh, he moved into a nice situation. A lot of us, obviously, in the dynasty community were kind of circling, highlighting that Miami backfield as a great landing spot for one of these prime rookie running backs coming out and, and you know, like most seasons is that there's all, you know, they end up going somewhere else where you don't necessarily expect or wouldn't have hoped um, to see the most fancy production, you know, on paper. But I think Breda moving there, I think Breda is going to be the guy to own. I, I really do like him. I'm not sure from a st- the standpoint of them both being usable just because I, I still have concerns over how good this offense is going to be. But I like the fact that both their values are pretty low. I do think that, you know, over the course of the season, is that when Breda, he- Breda is healthy, I think he's going to be the man. I think Howard still has um, value out there and could definitely still have a path to being the RB1 for the Dolphins. So, um, you know, and but like you said, I think in PPR, Breda still has that edge. So there definitely could be the opportunity of them kind of splitting the workload that way. So I think they they belong rightfully here in the honorable mentions, maybe not in the top 10, but I think there's some upside there and some guys that value is you know obtainable right now. This next one's the L.A. Rams, and, man, we saw Todd Gurley last year, even in a season where we all thought his knee was going to fall off, he was, like, going to just, you know, turn to dust, basically, like at the end of uh, Avengers. You know, someone snapped their finger, and there goes Todd Gurley's knees. It didn't quite happen that way. That dude had 14 total 
touchdowns last year, mm-hmm. and that's all going to be left behind. And I do think Cam Akers takes a big chunk of that. But I, I heard a story uh, from a non-fantasy but yet football-related source that part of the problem with Daryl Henderson last year is that this is a very complex offense and that he struggled picking up some of the concepts. And my fear is that what if that happens to Akers? And mm-hmm. what if Henderson's still not up to speed, especially in a COVID season? If this is that intricate of an offense, and what happens if Malcolm Brown's more involved at the goal line? So I love mm-hmm. Akers long-term in Dynasty. He's a top buy for me. If you can use this as a, a narrative to uh, drive down the price and pick up a share, I, I highly endorse that. But I really don't know what the touch distribution is going to look like in L.A. I wouldn't be surprised if Akers, much like Miles Sanders last year, winds up you know being a potential league winner from you know the the back end of you know like a, like a week ten through week seventeen type scenario in in mm-hmm. L.A. But uh, j- just too many questions to put him in the top 10, Kyle. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when you look at it, you mentioned the 14 total touchdowns with uh, Gurley. I wrote about second-year running backs recently, so that that uh, you know spotlighted Daryl Henderson a bit. And you know, the 14 touchdowns for Gurley stands out. You know That was a big number and propped up his fantasy value in 2019. You look at there was another five rushing touchdowns from Malcolm Brown. And, you know, Not all of those are going to go to one guy or even split just between the two of them. You know, and I know I'm I'm pretty sure based off of where I saw Jerry draft Jared Goff this <laughs> this offseason in a startup that him and I are both on the same page that whatever 22, 23 touchdowns it, that number is coming back up for Jared Goff. So while there might not be as many rushing touchdowns from this offense, I do think this is still a really good offense, one that's going to have to put up points to keep up with their defense. I think it, that is going to take a step back this year. So I, I like this backfield. I really like Henderson's value right now. I picked him up in a couple startups this offseason. Um, but Akers, man, the talent is really, really exciting. So, uh, again, I think a proper space to have him here. Um, they pro- they might have been ahead of a couple of the teams we're going to discuss here in a minute for me, um, just because I do think it's going to be more of a committee than it was with when Gurley was there. But um, definitely very interesting in an offense that I don't mind having a piece of for sure. Now, uh, you know what a fan of the Rams I am, and that defense is going to be bad. They, they, I'm so they, pumped for that. They, I'm so pumped. They, they, they <laughs> lost you and Seth's man, son of bum. Uh, yes. Wade Phillips is gone as the DC, and I think he was a real driving force in that mm-hmm. team, especially the the Super Bowl run year where they lost to the Patriots, and then I believe they lost four starters on the defense, and that's a that's an offensive division, man, with mm-hmm. the the Cardinals on the come and the 49ers being really good, and obviously we know what Russ and the Seahawks bring to the table each and every time. So there's six games that you know that are going to be basically shootouts. Absolutely. So, so th- th- this offense is one you definitely want to have a piece of. Just too convoluted to uh, to be you know mixing it in my top ten. So number ten for me again, Kyle's helping me out, kind of like JD did last week. For me, number ten was a uh, running back team Johnson. You can never have enough Johnson in your life. If Jerry was here, he would tell you how much he loves Johnson. But it's David and Duke, the Johnsons of Houston. Now Houston last year, they were twelfth in rush attempts and ninth in rushing yards. Uh, this team produced 17 rushing touchdowns, and the guy who did a lot of that work, he gone. That's Carlos Hyde. He's in Seattle. He might be part of a running back tandem that you can use in Seattle, but uh, there's too. speaking of ambiguity, there's way too much of it behind Chris Carson. Is it Carlos Hyde? Will Penny come back? What does mm-hmm. DJ Dallas and Travis Homer look like? Way too much. But, you know, in, in a team with the uh, the 10th toughest 
adjusted strength of schedule. And what I mean by adjusted, so a lot of people when they do strength of schedule, they do it based on last year's win total, which to me is wrong. Last year's last year, you're looking out the rearview mirror. But adjusted strength of schedule means it has to do with their current Vegas win total. So this is what their opponent's win total is projected. So um, a little bit more accurate for me. So they have a tough strength of schedule. Why is that important? Passing. They're going to pass the ball a lot to the running back. David Johnson and Duke Johnson are both incredible pass catchers. I see David being a, an RB2-3, so somewhere in that neighborhood. And I see Duke being an RB3 flex, which doesn't sound like a lot in, until you get into bye weeks. And then one of your main guys gets COVID and, and he misses a game or two. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know his nine PPR points a game or, or whatever it is that he gives you in, 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 in a full point PPR league, it doesn't sound like much in June, but it's going to be very meaningful in October. So the Johnsons, what do you know about Johnson there, uh, Mr. Kyle? Well, I know that, uh, man, Houston has spent so much capital on the running back position for very little return when you just look at what their long-term prospects are at this position. They traded a draft. They traded for Carlos Hyde. They traded for Duke Johnson. Now they traded for David Johnson. And they're still sitting here with like a lot of question marks when you just look beyond the 2020 season. Um, you know, and they haven't really added anybody else to this backfield. So I do think this is a combination that, like you said, I think those are great values. I do think DJ has enough upside if he can, you know, if he can come back to even 70% of what he was in the past. Um, as far as just from uh, you know ath athleticism, th this is an offense where there's not a lot of bodies like you were pointing to. Like Seattle, there's a lot of question marks. In Houston, there's these two guys. The only real question mark for me is just you know how, what's that split going to look like? Last year, it was so cut and dry. 240-plus carries for Carlos Hyde with the Texans. He had 16 targets, right? He was not involved. Duke Johnson, 62 targets. Really nice number, especially for PPR, 44 receptions. But we know David Johnson is a pass catcher. He's an excellent pass catcher, and it's a nice part of his game that the Texans should take advantage of with you know them trading away DeAndre Hopkins and having some question marks there. But being in shootouts, I think there could be enough for both these guys to go around. I like to call Duke Johnson another guy in startups this year. You could get super cheap. You know, I go in thinking that's a one-year thing, but he's going so late in PPR leagues. He's, he's somebody that I think you're you're right. You want on your bench. You want on your team because that midseason when you're looking to plug in a flex spot. You know, the, that's he has a nice floor um, for uh, for PPR league. So I really like the call there. They probably would have even been a little bit higher for me, um, maybe a spot or two. Uh, but I, I like these guys. It's a, it's a good call, both very solid. Well, a couple of things, a, a, a narrative, but but something that you could easily see for both. A, Bill O'Brien, he seems to be a prideful bitch, and, and he's going <laughs> to want nothing more than to make sure that he looks like the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade wasn't mm -hmm. as bad. So he's going to want to prominently feature David the same way that he did Carlos Hyde last year. So, so that's, that's a positive narrative in his case. And for mm -hmm. Duke Johnson, David Johnson, not the healthiest cat around. Right. And, you know, he had that one magical 2016 season, but he's had injury concerns 17, 18, 19. So if, if he were to get banged up unless they were to bring someone off the street, you know, all those people who love picking up Jay Ajayi in week four off their dynasty waiver wire will be lit and in, uh, in, in October 1st, when uh, the, yeah. the, there's rumors of Jay Ajayi coming out for a workout. But no, <laughs> uh, I, I like I like both the Johnsons uh, there in Texas. Going to get to uh, this next one's going to surprise some people, but I, I really don't care because there's solid reasons for liking him. And for me, it's DeAndre Swift and it's Carrion Johnson. And this may, like I said, shock some people, but they have the 28th 
adjusted strength of schedule or the fifth easiest. Uh, their offensive lines ranked 26th uh, by the footballguys.com for 2020. Not great, not as good as Houston's ninth, but uh, going to be a much more winnable season. And even though everybody likes to extrapolate out Matt Stafford's stats from last year of 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns, I don't know that it necessarily goes that way. And both these guys are okay pass catchers, especially Swift. And this was a team that was 16th in rush attempts last year with 407, and they but they were only 21st in yards. So it tells me they want to run the ball. They just couldn't run the ball effectively with guys like Bo Scarborough out there, uh, just to name a few. Once Paul Kara, Perkins. Hashtag Paul Perkins. <laughs> uh, but but the, the, the really bad stat for this team is that they only had seven rushing touchdowns. I think that number's bound to go up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they're winning games late, which – wouldn't be surprised if the their opponents are as bad as Vegas predicts. So for me, I see DeAndre Swift being a, an RB2, maybe an RB3, but again, much much like Akers, much like Miles Sanders last year, I think he's the one who comes on late. And I think Carrion Johnson gets off to the early start on the season. But I think these are both guys that you can plug into a deeper roster again when you're starting 10 total guys. You know, you need guys, and, and these are guys, and this is going to be a good offense. They've got Kenny Galladay. They've got Marvin Jones. They've got TJ Hawkinson. You're not going to be able to stuff the box on this offense. And when healthy, on Johnson's good, but when uh, in, in this offense, I think DeAndre Swift will be electric. So I really like these two. I might be a tad high on them. Don't care. I'm, I'm about these two. What do you think about these Detroit Lions? I think the situation is is a, is pretty similar to the one we just talked about with Houston. I could definitely see Swift getting, um, and again with all these rookies, it might take a couple, it might take a month or whatever to, um, you know, for these guys to really take a hold of their backfield situations or you know what have you. But when the pay window opens, man, these guys are going to be prominent in their offense, and Swift's going to be somebody you want on your team. So you you can kind of weather the storm through those that first few weeks. Um, obviously a great thing about fantasy football is that you can easily do that with depth because you don't have those bye weeks for the first three or four weeks or whatever, depending on the schedule. So, um, you know, you can get away with taking, you know, spending a pick on Swift with him as a projected starter, but maybe not having to commit to him, um, as your RB two right out of the gate type of thing. So I, I really like Swift. I, Johnson is somebody for me from a dynasty perspective. I had to kind of evaluate after they took Swift and somebody that again, when he's healthy, he's a lot of fun, but he, it's been just frustrating as hell. And then last year, when Daryl Bevel came in, they were so, so pass heavy. Um, I do think that bounces out a bit. Uh, so I, I like Carry On from the standpoint of what his his price tag was when I say, was seeing him in uh, in startups. He still has one more year of the Lions, so you almost get like a free look to see what this is going to look like. Maybe for one more year, as they have both of these running backs there under contract. Um, Swift's definitely the man for me. I, I think it's it's definitely more of a a one, two, then a one, a one B, but um, I, I, I dig it. And I do think that there's going to be value with both those guys uh, come 2020. Yeah. Because when, when they rush the ball 400 times on a losing team, I think they, yeah. I think they picked third. If I remember correctly, they took Jeff Akuda, mm-hmm. but, but, but they, they want to run the ball and l- let's just say they split it evenly. Now we know that they're not going to get 200 each, but if both these guys get, 180 rushes each. That's 10 rushing touches each per week. Now you add in a couple of receptions each. You can see where you're easily going to get RB2, RB3 numbers. And that's going to be great come bye week time. And certain matchups are going to be great. 
So th that's why I rank them there. Let's go to uh, let's go to a team that everybody's hype about, and that's Baltimore. Uh, I got Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Yes, I left Justice Hill out. Yes, I left the Gus Bus out. Sorry, but there, you know, everybody's worried about. Well, Mark Ingram, one more year. I got news for you. I, I know Lamar runs a lot, but do you have any idea how many rush attempts they had last year in Baltimore? Total? Yes. A lot. Because <laughs> Lamar had 100 plus on his own. But, 596. Uh, yeah. Almost, they had, they, they had plenty. Almost 100 more than the next closest team. So the team that finished second in rush attempts had about 100 less than Baltimore. There is more than enough to go around. Here's another wild stat for you. They were first in rushing yards, and they finished with almost 1,000, 1,000 more rushing yards than the number two team. They had 3,300. Spoiler alert, the 49ers had 2,300, and they were number two. That is bananas. There is going to be more than enough to go around for both these guys. Mark Ingram uh, has missed at least a game or two every year of his career. Uh, he's still a guy, though, that I think is going to be a solid RB2 for you. I think he's a guy that, Kyle, you're, you're my redraft go-to. I think he's a guy that will be drafted as like an RB3 or 4. That that's just going to return value on value. Uh, I think Dobbins will be an RB3 at a minimum plus. If Ingram was to go down, I mean, just put a rocket ship on this kid's back. They play the 27th uh, strength of schedule or the 6th easiest. And uh, according to football guys, they have the 5th best offensive line. I see nothing but value on value on value here in Baltimore. What do you think about this team at 8? For, for this one, for me... Uh, I feel like this is in comparison to the last two backfields we talked about. I feel like this one is a little bit more like now and later. Uh, I, I think that Mark, when you draft Mark Ingram, I think he's going to get off to a really nice start because of this offense just produces uh, fantasy points. When you look at Ingram last year, his touches were not incredibly high. I believe he was, I believe he was under 230 touches on the season. He only missed one game in the regular season, but his touchdown numbers were incredibly at 15 total touchdowns. And I think he's going to be somebody that gets off to a really hot start because whoever is in that backfield as the primary ball carrier is going to be in line for those types of numbers. I, I think that when you draft Mark Ingram, it's one, it's kind of in a, in a redraft league, an example, it's kind of a kick the can down the road, let future, future you deal with the issue of fi finding your RB two come maybe week 10, because unless you pair him with Dobbins, I, I think there's an opportunity though, that Dobbins could take over this backfield um, and, and be the primary guy. You know, we saw from last year, Gus Edwards, 133 attempts. I mean, that, that's not a bad number when you look at it at the end of the year, but on a week in and week out basis, it was really frustrating. And outside of week 17, when Ingram was out and, and Edwards saw 21 carries for 130 yards, he was not startable just because he wasn't overly involved in the passing game. Baltimore doesn't throw to their running backs a whole ton. And even though, you know, Edwards would be in there to maybe punch the clock out is that you just couldn't count on that as a, as a owner setting your lineup. It was difficult. So this one, I really like both these guys. I'm trying to get them wherever I can because I, I want a piece of this offense. I think, the, like you said, the rushing numbers are incredible. But I, I really do feel this is more of a, like, it's one and then the other. Uh, I'm just not sure both of them will have, have uh, value at the same exact time um, where you can play them together or or in the same week. Um, so that that's where I would be concerned. They wouldn't be inside my top 10 if I was putting one together. But you, you got to love this offense. It's just uh, in double trouble, I, I don't know if they'd make the list for me. Well, I, I respect your your feedback, and that's why you're here, man. Uh, just for me, it was about the two things. It was about volume and value. Mm -hmm. Plenty of volume to go around for both guys, and I think J.K. Dobbins fits this uh, RPO system in Baltimore. Yes. 
just perfectly. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't be a better fit. And by the time those buys start rolling around, you're going to get some work. You're, you're going to mm-hmm. get some. Uh, I mean, I remember Gus having a, a couple of good games last year. This next one's going to surprise some people. Uh, it's another rookie mixed in here. But this, this tandem is really based off the strength of one and then the upside of the other. And that's the Tennessee backfield of Derrick Henry and Darrington Evans. Now, this was a team also, I mean, you're gonna, this is going to be a common theme throughout here, guys. You're going to hear a lot of uh, top rushing attempts because, again, volume. Uh, this team was 10th mm-hmm. in rush attempts last year, 445. Third in total rushing yards with 2,223. 21 rushing TDs. They played the 31st adjusted or the second easiest strength of schedule. Uh, based on their projected win total. And their offensive line took a bit of a dip. It was better last year. Again, according to football guys, they are 16th, which you know makes sense. They lost uh, Jack Conklin to another team we're going to talk about. But, man, D- Derrick Henry, um, you know, he was the RB5 on the season last year in spite of only having 18 catches. Uh, I don't love the loss of Jack Conklin. Uh, but, you know, you, you got to love you got to love Derrick Henry. Uh, and Darrington Evans, if for some reason these game scripts don't go to plan, I could really see this guy being involved in the passing game. Uh, when Greg Cosell is watching your film and he says that you're fascinating, that makes you fascinating to me. Um, I, I think he's a guy, this is, though, this is a much more now and later backfield for me. And mm-hmm. I think by the time those bye weeks go, roll around or you need to plug someone in, uh, in a tough matchup. I, I don't remember the, the exact schedule for the... Uh, for the Titans, but it, you know, I know they're playing uh, Baltimore uh, one week, and if they play Baltimore or Pittsburgh, uh, you know that's not going to be a, a fun day at the offense. That could be a Darrington Evans week. So for me, um, th- this ranking of seventh was was based more on Derrick Henry being a monster, and I love the upside of, of Evans than it, than it is about both guys being equal. I, I had Derrick Henry as an RB two plus. I don't know that he can replicate his RB1 season without more passing volume just because I don't see like another 16 touchdowns and I yeah. don't I don't see him leading the league in rushing again and I'm very intrigued by the black box prospect that is Darrington Evans so that's how they got my seventh ranking Kyle what about for you yeah I think I think you hit on a lot of great things there this is definitely going to be a team that it doesn't get the same game scripts that they saw in the second half of last season. It was incredible what they were able to put together. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was cool to see Tanhill finally, you know, uh, click, you know, in an offense uh, with an offensive coordinator that a lot of people just crapped on because no one knew exactly what to expect. And, and lo and behold, this was a contender in the AFC and uh, a fresh new team to the mix, which was, you know, fun uh, from a from a fan perspective. It was weird to see the transition from this offense two years, I mean, two years ago, they kind of, it wasn't even, but Deion Lewis was fairly involved and saw 60 plus targets that year. And then last year, Lewis was not to be found. Um, I do think game script has a lot to do with that. Henry is just not a pass catcher. He's fun as hell when he does get a pass because it's always some screen dump off. And then he always, for some reason, seems to take it to the house. Um, but I do think that if game script goes the opposite way for the Titans this year in, in 2020, Evans is super interesting. I, I don't think that they, while AJ Brown obviously is a, is a ton of fun. You know, you got Corey Davis, you have John U. Smith. He's been there for, what, 800 years. He sees 30% of the snaps. Like, how good is he? They don't have a ton of, like, big-time playmakers, uh, like a ton of them, right? They have some really fun ones. But Evans could make his way into this offense, I think, pretty easily and and turn into a guy that they trust. So I think this is a great call. 
Um, definitely one that's more heavy towards, you know, towards Henry is just a monster, but I think Evans is still going to have a role and somebody is flying under the radar. I think for sure, whether you're talking about redraft or dynasty. And this hurts me as a Colts fan to have to say that, that these guys are good. And this is, uh, <laughs> this is me being honest, like on last week's yeah. three team parlay, where I was talking about Baker Mayfield, you know, I, I am neutral on him. People would expect me to be down. I am the guy that if my projections in the past are, you know, any time are wrong. I'm going to tell you that I'm wrong, and I'm going to tell you to start looking the opposite direction. Derrick Henry's a fine running back. I'm a little concerned with his style coming off of 300-plus touches last year, uh, even more given the, the playoff run they had in Tennessee. That's a bit concerning. Uh, I could see Derrick Henry at some point if this team's struggling, you know, in the win-loss record with, you know, a team that's going to be good in the Colts and a team like Houston that, that should be good. They're they're perennially good. I could see him if they're, like, mathematically eliminated coming down the stretch, that he makes a business decision as a guy playing on a free agent tag. And, and you know, he's like, hey, I got a hammy today. I got a calf today. <laughs> Might want to set this one out because, you know, he's got to take care of himself. So that, that would not surprise me. So I don't know that he's going to get quite that volume. That's my only uh, self-created narrative that, that makes me nervous. This next one's going to surprise some people uh, because one guy's always hurt and one guy's older, but I don't care because I love the offense. That is Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. Uh, I mean, this team was the team that was second in attempts last year. They had 498, just about 100 less than the boys of Baltimore. Second in rushing yards with 2,300, 1,000 left less than the boys uh, in Baltimore. But they had two more TDs. At least they, they have that on Baltimore. They had 23 <laughs> total rushing TDs. Their, their strength of schedule, it's 14 uh, on the adjusted number. And they had the 20th ranked offensive line, which I find to be suspicious given that they added Trent Williams from the Redskins this offseason. And to tell you how impressive Mostert was down the stretch, from weeks 12 through 17, not only was he the RB8 overall, he had an averaging 17.4 PPR points a game, but he did that against the Packers playoff team, the Ravens playoff team, Saints playoff team, Falcons, I'll just say that one real fast, <laughs> Rams, yeah, I'll say that one real fast too. They were in the mix down the last week, and then the Seahawks playoff team. Mm -hmm. So of those of those six games, four of those teams were playoff teams. So it was very impressive. I did like what I saw out of Coleman coming back in the Super Bowl, and just for whatever reason, uh, I think Kyle Shanahan has an I Heart Tevin tattoo somewhere on his like deltoid that there in San Francisco. So if if these guys play, I mean, five, you think about 500 rushing attempts, and I know. Um, they have a young man whose last name's Hasty, who was I think was an undrafted free agent, and something named Jarek McKinnon still floating around. You know how a floater can be, but <laughs> but, but, but but 500 rushing attempts is a lot. I I, yeah. I, I firmly expect Mostert, who says he's putting on a little bit of uh, muscle mass this off season, to get like 225, 250 of that. I could see you know Coleman getting 150, and then those other guys getting sprinkled 100. Because um, this is going to be a really good team again in 2020. So, Kyle, what do you think about Moster and Coleman? Yeah, I thought the, they were one of the teams that I highlighted uh, coming out of the draft as veteran winners based off of the 49ers not really addressing it, that position in the draft, and also shipping Matt Bradell, which you talked about earlier, to Miami. And this was a team that, like you said, they ranked second in rushing. There was a great offense. Um, and, and 
but it was frustrating as hell from a fantasy perspective because when you looked at it, it just it came and went between the three guys there, and it was really hard to pinpoint who it was going to be. I mean, hell, even in the playoffs, one week Mostert goes off, and then Tevin Coleman gets 20 carries the next game, and who knows how it would have played off. Coleman doesn't get injured the following game. So Shanahan keeps fantasy owners guessing. When you look at the numbers last year, Mostert and, Ke- and Tevin Coleman both had exactly 137 attempts each. Uh, their passing receiving numbers were, were very similar as well. Coleman had... A um, few more receptions, but they both had 180 yards receiving each. Just really weird how they it really was split. You know, and it didn't necessarily mean that it was split on a week in and week out basis. But I do think with Matt Breda is that it that could be more of a week in and week out where they're both usable. Like you said in this in this scenario here, what we're talking about is that you can play both of these guys. We saw a lot of it was Coleman for these three weeks, and then it was Breda for these two weeks, and then Mostert took over towards the end, had the big numbers like you talked about. I do think that without an extra mouth to feed is that you could see um, both these guys be easily playable. I, I think the attempts may be a little bit closer than what you threw out there, but I do think Mostert's the lead guy. I've been getting Tevin Coleman in a bunch of spots just because, again, I, they didn't add anybody. I think Coleman will still have a role as as the number two back there. I, I really like this backfield. Um, at least for 2020. I think there's a lot of question marks as far as from a dynasty perspective going forward. Mostert's a little bit older. Coleman is in a is a in a contract year. But as far as, you know, for right now, if you're looking for some production, man, for me, they're the number two backfield um, when you look at, you know, multiple guys and, and true double trouble. Mostert and Coleman are two guys I really like. So I, I like them having on this list. I'd have them a little bit higher probably. Uh, b- very fair. Coleman is a guy that I think I'll wind up with a lot in redraft leagues. So when I mm-hmm. do redraft or, or best ball leagues, I think I'll wind up with him. I typically tend to go with the cheaper end of, yeah. of, of a tandem backfield. I, I think most are, I think by the time that the the big boys in the in the fantasy space, the fantasy footballers, Matthew Barry, etc., those type guys, once they put a little bit of steam on Raheem Mostert, you won't be able to get him. In, no way. in a redraft league, and if you're not, I think he's 28 years old, if I remember correctly. Low mileage, not 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 mm-hmm. a ton of uh, usage for for Mr. Moster. If you're not a legit contender, you need to take this clip and then a clip when Matthew Barry put <laughs> some steam on him, and then when the fantasy footballers put some steam on him, and you need to, need to take that steam to another owner in in your league who is contending, and and try to cash out because yeah, th- th- this is a team. We, we covered all the potential free agents in the 2021 class. I don't think the RB1 of the future on this team is currently on the roster. I think both of these guys and the the corpse of Jarek McKinnon are all one-year deals here. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll either draft someone or I could see them you know, signing uh, a, a Marlon Mack type next year, a James Conner. Uh, if, if for some reason uh, Joe Mixon or – uh, Dalvin Cook were to get free. Who knows with all these mm-hmm. free agents coming up? So from a dynasty standpoint, though, I know we're talking about 2020 and you know some various things and having some fun ranking these guys. But from a dynasty standpoint, re- real serious. If you're not a contender, you, you got to move off from Mostert. Um, next guy, another free agent to be. Speaking of free agents, uh, yeah. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Now Green Bay was 13th in rush attempts last year, 411. 15th in rushing yards with, uh, we'll call it 1,800 and 18 TDs. And I think Aaron Jones had like almost all of them. Aaron Jones was the RB2 overall in full point PPR. He averaged 19.7 points a game. Uh, A.J. Dillon I put on here, I I really, again, kind of like the Derrick Henry Evans situation. I put this really based off the strength of Jones' performance and the strength of the offense in general. 
I, I know I've soured on Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years, and I think head coach Matt LaFleur and the GM, based on the way that they drafted and brought in this mountain of a man. I mean, you look at A.J. Dillon, you know, in just a pair of shorts, which, you you know, you can see on Twitter like every day because people love this man. And, you know, he, he looks like he's carved out of granite. I mean, he, he looks like what uh, like an old school pro wrestler would look like. I mean, he's amazingly, amazingly put together. But my concern with him is, is he had one target per 42 rushes in college. So what is his PPR floor? But the reason why I like him, especially as Dynasty, and he's grown on me, is I feel like Matt LaFleur, who has ties to Tennessee, I think he sees him as his future Derrick Henry. So he could uh, steal a lot of that goal line work from Aaron Jones, but based on the strength of the offense, based on what I saw the offense want to do last year, it's hard not to like these two guys. They have the 17th adjusted strength of schedule, and I was a little surprised by this. According to football guys, the 10th best offensive line in the league. I thought it would have been lower with them losing Ryan Balaga to the Chargers, but uh, what do you think about these two? Yeah, for me, this backfield is, is kind of more similar to Baltimore. Um you know, I, I do think A.J. Dillon, man, he's kind of been an interesting case study because he was somebody that I think like rookie evaluators were a little bit split on. Like there was definitely the guys that they liked better than him. Um, you know, we know all the names that came out this year. And then he lands in Green Bay and everyone's kind of pissed because uh, what the hell, Jordan Love and then A.J. Dillon, like help Rodgers out, blah, blah, blah. And then like then it, the shit, it kind of turned because then the value got so good on Dylan, he was being discounted because people were kind of pointing towards like, Oh, you know, this time next year, he's going to be super valuable. This is, you know, this is going to pay off that type of thing. I got him in a, in a couple spots, super cheap. Like, you know, it was just at the time where everybody was doing their rookie drafts right after the NFL draft. And and his value was just crazy. I was like, this is a, even if this is a scratch off, this is a scratch if I want, right. This is an offense that's going to run the ball. um, No matter what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. So, I just think that kind of similar to Baltimore is that I do think this is Aaron Jones's backfield. I'm not sure there's enough there for for AJ Dillon to work his way into it. Like you said, he's not a much. He's not a huge pass catcher. Jamal Williams did have five receiving touchdowns last year, but even he was not fancy relevant really or startable on most weeks. Um, I do think this is a team that when we're talking about this team for 2021, similar to Baltimore, you're going to be talking about potentially somebody else being the lead dog there and somebody that you can is going to be you know in the top 15 of your running back rankings. So I, I'm not sold yet on AJ Dillon um, having 2020 value beyond like more of a handcuff type rather than an every, you know, at a, you know, an alternate start, um, you know, at a, in a flex spot in a bye week uh, But, you know, I'm hope, hopefully because I have some shares, I'll be pleasantly surprised. And you'll be right here to have them here in the, in the top five. I'm just not there yet. No, I, I can respect it again, much like, uh, Again, it was the it was the offense. It was like a mm-hmm. an, it was an equation. It was yeah. the success of Aaron Jones based on the injury prowess of Jamal Williams, based on where they drafted AJ Dillon in the second round, based mm-hmm. on the strength of the offensive line. It was just hard not to. I I, I battled between uh, the Mostert Coleman and, and this two for six, so it wasn't like the the next one. I think the next the the number four one for me. I think I may have name trapped myself, but that's okay. I'm, I'm going to get into it. It's well, and ni- 19 touchdowns, by the way, on on the ground just for Jones. I mean, that doesn't even count. Jones had 19 total touchdowns. Williams had another six. Like if if Jones still could come down to 12, you know, 12 to 
14 or whatever. And there's still enough there for Dylan. So like if the carries start splitting too, because Jones didn't have a ton of carries, 230 carries. Like I do think there's a path. I'm just not, I'm just not sure yet whether, you know, what route they're going to take, but that's where I'm at, I guess. Yeah. It wouldn't be an early season double trouble. It would mm-hmm. be like around week four or five after you see sure. what, what the usage plan is going to be. This next one, uh, both of these guys uh, had good success last year, and both these guys have two first names. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Never trust anyone with two first names, by the way. So it's, it's a law. <laughs> Write that down. It's like you never play poker with a guy whose uh, first or last name is a city. It's just one of those mm. things. That just, if, you, if you ever get invited to a poker game with a guy named like Dallas. I can't play with you? Well, well that's not my legal name. <laughs> Okay, fine. I've outed myself. But yeah, if, if a guy's name's Memphis or a guy's name's Dallas, he wants to play some billiards or poker, you're probably just like, nah, dude, I'm good. I'm, I'm cool. But these, uh, the, these next two guys, Melvin Gordon last year was the RB23 on the season. Now, that's a little misleading because he missed a handful of games due to his holdout. But once he came back, uh, he averaged, he was the 14th RB by points per game average last year. He averaged 15 points per game. In an okay offense in L.A. with Uncle Phil. And then, surprisingly, all Philip Lindsay does is put up, like, solid RB2 seasons. He was the RB2, uh, RB19, a solid RB2 in 2020. I think both of these guys will still be RB2 types this year. Uh, Denver wants to run the ball with stodgy old head coach Vic Fangio. It's part of the reason why I'm a little apprehensive on the weapons and, and Drew Locke there when everyone else is high. They rushed the ball 409 times. Uh, but they were 20th in, in, in rushing yards. So that's a concern. They only had 11 rushing TDs. And this is the kind of backfield that if this team gets ahead with that really good defense and that home field advantage of that thin air in Denver, and they turn the the Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb duo loose the way the Colts used to with Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney, just raining terror on opposing offenses, I could really see these guys just accumulating yards and snuffing and sucking the life out of the passing game. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, for me, it, it's hard not to. Um, they do have a very tough strength of schedule, which is going to lend value to Gordon in PPR. Um, I think that has a lot to do with playing the uh, Chiefs twice. but And their offensive line's bad. So for me, this one was more about opportunity, past results, and what I think the team really wants to do. What about Gordon and Lindsey? Yeah, I do think this is kind of more, you know, when I was thinking about this and, you know, two guys that are going to be startable, you know, it's unlike the, you know, maybe Aaron Jones and Ingram and and Henry, where I think those are going to be more like you got your, again, you got your one, you got your two. I think this is going to be a one and one A. And maybe it's two A and two, and two B, I don't know. But uh, like, I'm concerned because there's a lot of question marks when you talk about a young quarterback coming in, an unfamiliar offensive coordinator for for fancy owners to this offense, right? We've seen him obviously, Shimmer being around the league. So I, I do think though there's going to be opportunity for both these guys. I don't think one just takes over. I think Melvin Gordon has shown that he is a really good pass catcher. You know, he's he's 50 plus catches in the bank every single year that he was in, um, you know, L.A., San Diego, whatever. And, and some of that's Philip Rivers, but he definitely has that skill. Uh, with Lindsey, we saw even Royce Freeman, who wasn't somebody that you would think, you know, would be more of a have more of a pass catching prowess, but that was the case. I mean, he, it was pretty dead even as far as targets go um, with him and Lindsey. You know, Lindsey's a small dude, so everyone thinks like, oh, he's just a space, you know, satellite back or whatever. And, and that's not really the case. He can handle the workload. Uh, it just with Gordon, you can't expect what we saw the last few years. 
because he just got so many attempts at the goal line. And I'm just not 100% sold yet that one, he's going to be the one getting those attempts, but two, that he's going to have those opportunities. Uh, when you look at the last four seasons after not even scoring his rookie year, uh, the dude had 36 rushing touchdowns over the last four years. Those are fantastic numbers. It's going to be hard to replicate in Denver. So I do think both these guys could be low-end RB2s or flexes. I do think there's some opportunity there. So as far as for this exercise, I think it's a great ranking there. Uh, but it doesn't mean I'm not uneasy <laughs> because I'm just not sure where to value these guys yet just because based off of change of scenery for Melvin, change of scenery for this coaching staff and, and a young QB coming in. For, for 2020, I, I feel like now would be – you would need to move Melvin in season if you're not competing on a dynasty team because you're going to need to let people actually see him playing well in a mm-hmm. non-Chargers uniform. And if mm-hmm. I have to pick one of these two in redraft, it's the same conversation as Mostert and Coleman. I'm, I'm going to let someone else overdraft Melvin Gordon because they know his name. Oh, yep, Melvin Gordon. I remember him. He's good. He's got dreads. I, he, I, I, can, I, can, I can envision him. Yeah. And, and people yeah. often forget about Philip Lindsay and his Bob Ross hair. I'm all about it, man. I'm in. Yeah. Melvin was a first rounder. So people are going to be like, oh, in the third, in the fourth, like whatever. Like, you know, yeah. Okay. They're they're going to walk away from from your redraft like, these guys are suckers. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So I think it's a great, that's a great strategy way to, and that's that's how I would recommend to go as well. For sure. All right. So so this next one hits a little close to home for me because it, it is my home. It's indie. Uh, people might have thought I had this one a little bit higher, but I didn't. I've, I've got to be quite honest. Uh, now, Indy has the easiest adjusted strength of schedule in the league to pair with the third best offensive line per uh, fantasy guys. Marlon Mack last year finished as the RB22, and he missed two and a half games. Enter the uh, the man beast known as Jonathan Taylor in the second round. Uh, and again, kind of like other backfields, plenty of work to go around. And this is a team that wants to run the ball. Uh, they're going to use a lot of play action with Phil. And a lot of checkdowns. They were fifth in rush attempts last year with almost 500, 471. And they were seventh in rushing yardage with 2,130 yards. Again, 17 rushing TDs. Uh, I, I think this is going to be very reminiscent of what we saw in L.A. last year, except everyone who thinks Naheem Hines is going to be in the mix, I think you're going to be sadly mistaken. Uh, Naheem Hines was not really in the mix last year when Marlon Mack got hurt. They used an already hurt Jordan Wilkins, and they brought in Jonathan Williams off of the practice squad for a couple of games. If they had bigger plans for Naheem Hines, they would have never have drafted Jonathan Taylor where they did. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to take a little while to get Taylor fully acclimated, but I think by the time the season gets rolling, you will see Taylor in more of that Melvin Gordon role, that, that monster. And we're finally, I think with Uncle Phil there, we're finally going to see Marlon Mack's pass-catching chops unlocked because uh, Jacoby Brissett was the second-leading rusher on this team last year with 59, I think it was 59, total rushes. Phil's not having five, much less 59. Yeah. You can add that. If, if, if those 50 rushes that Jacoby turn into anything, it's going to be 50 extra checkdowns to the running backs, and that's just going to feed the value of both these guys because I think Taylor's a little bit of a better pass-catcher, maybe not as natural, of a pass catcher, but a, a definitely a serviceable pass catcher. Think of a guy like Leonard Fournette, who had 76 catches last year. So I, I think uh, Taylor may be a little slow uh, out of the gates, you know, as, as a lot of rookies are. But I think once this guy gets up to speed, he is going to be a nightmare. I think both of these guys have RB2 potential. And I just can't say enough good things about him. Am, am, I, uh, am I showing my Colts blue bias? 
<laughs> no, I think I think you're spot on here. I I've, I think this is going to be a for me when you when you're just looking at 2020. I think this is going to be a situation if you kind of look at Philly last year. I mean, they definitely were using Jordan Howard a ton, and the injury because of the injury to Howard, we wouldn't get we didn't really get to see how that would have played out. And you know, and it could happen the exact same way here. You know, but I, I do think that if I'm going to try to paint a narrative for this team, it, it's going to be that you know. Taylor is definitely still going to be usable, going to get involved, like you said, kind of ease in a little bit. With Marlon Mack, I think he's still going to see a lot of the work. Um, and if that injury doesn't happen, I think Miles Sanders maybe makes his way, you know, to the the lead dog role in Philly last year. But what we saw was when Howard went down, they gave Sanders that opportunity. He was an absolute monster. And I think, obviously, Taylor has that talent. I think a big factor of this, and, and you guys have talked about it, and pointing to contracts is a huge piece of dynasty. Uh, and even when you're looking at one-year guys like Mack here, is that – a huge a huge thing that people talked about was how much just like traditionally Wisconsin running backs are used the workload that Taylor comes into the NFL with is heavy so why not buy a little bit of time here and just run Marlon Mack ragged as long as you can this is a win now team so I, I totally get wanting to get your most talented players on the field so but I, I think Mack is still a guy that's going to be in line for at least 200 attempts this year even once Taylor, if if Taylor takes over as kind of the lead guy there, Mac's still going to have a role. There's no reason to just force Taylor into, you know, 25 touches a game uh, when you have Mac there and you really have no commitment to him after this season. So I think that both these guys are going to be startable. I think it could be similar to a Philly situation last year. Um, and, you know, obviously, got to love the talent of Jonathan Taylor. But I think Marlon Mack is becoming a forgotten man, and he's going to be a thorn in the side of those people that were expecting Taylor to maybe take over this backfield out of the gate. Um, so I like the call here of having, you know, having both these guys ranked, um, you know, as this tandem pretty high up. Yeah. So l- let's move on to number two. I don't want to beleaguer the the Colts point. Let's let's talk about Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Now I know that Kevin Stefanski is now the OC in Cleveland, but this team was fourth in rush attempts last year uh, with 470 five just ahead of the Colts and they were sixth in rushing yards also just ahead of the Colts with a they 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 beat the Colts by three total rushing yards 2133 versus 2130 they did have 19 total uh, rushing touchdowns Uh, their adjusted strength of schedule is 19th or the 12th easiest and according to the football guys 25th best offensive line that doesn't matter if Dalvin Cook stays healthy he, he can easily repeat his top five finish. I guess he was top six last year, but he was number two in points per game last year. So he did miss, I think, two and a half games with like that shoulder weird clavicle mm. thing. But the guy averaged 21 PPR points a game. You know, we give a lot of love to Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Zeke, and all for very good, very good reasons. Uh, but you know, when Dalvin Cook is healthy and on, man, he he is in the conversation for the best running backs in the league. Uh, Alexander Madison, the reason why I have him on there, again, just, just think about that. 475 rush attempts. How many can Dalvin actually hold up? And if they do sign him to a new contract, are you going to run a guy that you're paying 13 to $15 million a year into the ground? Probably not. And in his, you know, limited, you know, games played last year, all this kid did was, you know, t- take his 100 carries and turn it into 462 yards, which is 4.6 yards a carry, which is slightly better than Dalvin. And I think the kid's a serviceable guy. I think he'll be the kind of guy who gets 8-10 touches a week. And this is a good team. 
this is a good team. This should be a playoff contending team. There'll be a lot of games where they're 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 pounding it away at the last, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, and Madison will get some garbage time work, you know, and, and I could see him being like an RB2 slash three flex type guy uh, in, in a deeper league. And if something happens to Dalvin, and let's be honest, the guy's played 29 of a possible career 48 games, something's probably going to happen to Dalvin. And if that does, Madison could be a league winner late. So based on how damn good Dalvin Cook is, I couldn't not put these guys at number two. Yeah, for me, I think this is kind of just similar, maybe just to the how I would how I approach this, I guess, when I was when I was going through and putting some notes together. Like Cook is obviously a freaking monster. And like you said, there's definitely some a good good thought to the idea of like, man, if you pay this guy and you lock him up for multiple seasons, do you want to run him into the ground? You know, Madison had 100 attempts last year, which similar to Edwards is nothing to shy away at. Like both those guys were involved, but they were hard to to predict when, you know, they were going to get, you know, double-digit carries in that game because they were running out the clock or or what have you. So Madison is definitely somebody that I think is, 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 is really talented. I wish he was on another team kind of guy. Like, you know, we always have those players like, man, if you could just get out from behind him, and then last year when Cook goes down, Madison goes down too, and we didn't get to even see it. So, um, you know, if they do take the approach of making this a little bit more of a share, I, I don't think that that kills Dalvin Cook by any means. He's still extremely talented and should be treated as such. Madison, I'd just love to see him get a shot at, you know, a, a little bit more work. I'd love to see him in that range of maybe 150 to 170 touches as opposed to where he was at last year, which was just over about uh, just over 100. So, uh, you know, again, this is kind of – it's heavily weighted for sure towards the one guy. I just don't feel comfortable starting Madison right now um, on a week out. I mean, if you're in a deeper league, for sure, he's super valuable because you can plug him in knowing they're like, hey, I'll take the shot on Minnesota being up and running out the clock with their backup. Um, and, of course, having the most valuable handcuff, in my opinion, in fantasy football. So, to me, Madison, again, more of a handcuff than uh, than somebody that I'd be willing to play as uh, even a, in a flex. Um, uh just basing this one off the strength of the offense and 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 how and how much volume I think will be there. Sure. I, I think the guy easily gets ten touches a week, mm-hmm. and I think that's more than enough in a COVID nineteen season to to return some value. Mm-hmm. All right. Without further ado, let's go to number one. Now, now, Kyle, I don't know if you have handles there in the studio, but if you have something to grab onto, <laughs> now's a great time because I'm going <laughs> to yes, I'm going to say something nice about the Cleveland Browns. Oh, man. My number one double trouble running back tandem for 2020 is Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Now, Cleveland was 22nd in rush attempts last year, but that was only because of the stupidity of Freddie Kitchens because they were 12th in total rushing yards. So you can just do a little simple back-of-the-napkin math. Hey, if they had to rush the ball more, they, they could have had a lot more success. Huh. I'm going to write that down. You know, yeah. they have the 30th adjusted strength of schedule, which is fantastic. I mean, only the the Colts and uh, one other team, oh, uh, the uh, Titans. Only the Colts and Titans have an easier adjusted strength of schedule. And their offensive line, which was ranked 30th last year, is ranked 15th this year. I mean, that's fantastic. They were always okay in the middle of the offensive line, but adding Jack Conklin from Tennessee and drafting Jedrick Wills early in the first round is only going to make this line better. Add into the fact that they uh, they drafted a young man named one of the Bryants. I think it's Hunter and Harrison Bryant wound up in Detroit, but he's a, a rookie. He's a good blocker. Austin Hooper is never going to be confused for George Kittle 
as a blocker, but he does okay. And with good weapons around him, I mean, he's, these guys are not going to see a lot of stacked boxes. Kareem Hunt on Zoom calls with the wide receiver group. I mean, there's so much steam coming off of this team. And then Kevin Stefanski. All those attempts he gave the running backs in, in uh, Minnesota last year, you bring in an offensive-minded, uh, offensive line coach uh, who's a running-minded guy in Bill Callahan. Not the break king, Bill Callahan, but the guy who was in Washington last year. <laughs> run the ball, run the ball, run the ball with Adrian Peterson. Hey, we're down 24 points. Three yards with AP, that's what we want. They also signed a, a fullback at Andy uh, Janovich. Everything tells me they're going to pound the ball. And Nick Chubb was the RB8 overall last year. Now, in weeks 10 through 17, when Hunt came back from suspension, he was RB15 over that time, but still averaged 13 PPR points a game. And Hunt, in his own right, over that, that span from week 10 through week 17, was the RB17 with 12.7 points per game. So there's more than enough to go around. Uh, and I jokingly said this on the three-team and uh, the, the three team parlay with the Browns last Friday. Kyle, you ever go bowling? Uh, not recently, but usually, yeah. <laughs> well, if you go bowling in June of 2020, you're a criminal. But, but, in, the, but in the past, do you ever see those bumper gimmicks they put up there for little kids? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Kevin Stefanski and this team is doing for Baker Bayfield. They're putting the bumpers up for him, man. You, you give him two great running backs. You give him three good tight ends. Uh, you know, Njoku still stretches the seam. Mm -hmm. Hooper was a was a pro bowler. I think he's the highest paid tight end in the league currently. Yep. Um, the, the kid Bryant, I think he was the Mackey winner for the best tight end in college football last year. Odell Beckham's still there. Uh, Jarvis Landry's still there. They're putting a lot of weapons on the field. So um, how do you protect Baker? You don't make him throw the ball as much. And when you do throw, you throw off play action because that protects him. And I think that's what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to do. Yeah, I agree. I don't there for me. There really wasn't much question. I think you nailed this one. Uh, they're the number one. I, I, Hunt is somebody that I trust as a RB2, and especially in PPR formats. His, his numbers in, in the passing game were awesome. He's definitely the most talented quote unquote backup in the league. I mean, he's, he's unbelievably he as his own standalone value. Chubb has been a beast, you know, through the first two seasons of uh, his NFL career. Stefanski coming in, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I do think, like you said, a lot of things line up to the fact that they, they should, they're going to run the ball. Um, I, I still think Stefanski is an interesting case because he has one year in three games as an offensive coordinator after being in Minnesota for like 10 years, he, he coached under a, a ton of different, um, regimes there in Minnesota. He was he was even with the team when Brett Favre was the QB, and then they went through the Shermer area where they turned Case Keenum into a golden boy. And then he was also there when he watched um, John D. Filippo get fired by old man Zimmerman because he wouldn't run the damn ball. So when you bring in old Koobs on top of that and Stefanski's one and only season as the offensive co coordinator, there was no way he wasn't going to run run the ball. He was He was their puppet. And he ran the ball, like you said, fourth most rush attempts in the NFL, third most as far as rush percentage to offensive plays. So while I do think that there's no reason that he should just take the easy way out and utilize Chubb and Hunt, uh, I, I'm also going to be watching that just to see how much of this is he wants to do his own offense. Was it was it Kubiak last year? Is it really Kevin Stefanski? But I, I think everything lines up, like you said, better offensive line, uber talented running back in that backfield. And these are two guys that you can count on every week. Nick Chubb, I wish, you know, didn't have cream hunt, so it could be for me a top five running back. 
but for me, he's still going to be extremely solid and Hunt carrying his own value as well. So I dig it. They're the top of my board as well on this list. Well, that's awesome, man. I, so uh, I, got, I got two more. Can I ask you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't make the list. Hey, man, we're, we're here to help the listener. Fire away. <laughs> so the one, uh, I think the one that was probably that to me felt, and maybe your listeners are asking this as we made it through the top 10 here, which I do think you made some really good points. And I, and looking at kind of my own list, I kind of threw together the last minute um, just because I know we were working off yours that didn't make my list I would have added. But one team that I think the most people um, are going to be wondering about. And so of the two that I had, the one I think that your listeners might be wondering about is why Chicago doesn't make this list for you. Um, because David you know, Montgomery's still on the team. <laughs> so I, I do. And while I do think that, you know, some of these what we talked about with like Cook and like there's the, the one is so strong. Um, but I think when you look at, at David Montgomery and the Chicago Bears offense. Montgomery had uh, still had a ton of work last year, and that offense went from being a top 10 scoring offense to, you know, bottom of the league. So they definitely have to turn it around there. But when you look at just how, I think, how clear-cut that team is, I mean, Montgomery is 230 attempts in the bag, and Tariq Cohen was, I think, third or fourth in targets last year. He has his role. Like, it's there's no confusing what this what these running backs are going to be doing. And I think they're both very usable. So I was just wondering why they, they didn't make the list for you because they would have been probably two or three for me. If for some reason the quote-unquote offensive genius that is Matt Nagy mm-hmm. would run more of that Baltimore Ravens offense with Mitch Trubisky, with that, that deep RPO and, and let him do what he did. You know, Mitch is coming off of a career low in rushing attempts and rush yardage. You know, he, he's never going to be confused with Lamar Jackson, and he's probably never going to be confused with Josh Allen. But he is a pretty good athlete, but he's limited. Yeah. And, and I don't care what anyone says, they can put all the fantasy points in your roster that they, they possibly can. But I still think as an overall quarterback, Lamar's limited. He's not a great thrower of the football. Um, I think I think he's very serviceable. I think he did a great job in 2020. I want to see it again. And I think Josh Allen's very limited. Now, both guys improved from their rookie year in 2018 to their second year in 2019. But I, I want to see Matt Nagy in the offense in Chicago stop trying to force Mitch Trubisky to be a pocket passer mm-hmm. and let him be more of an athlete. Let him do some of the things that Lamar Jackson does. Let him do some of the things that Josh Allen does. And let him be both an asset to the Bears, to the running game, and to fantasy football. That that was my reason. Because I don't yeah. think David Montgomery's great. And I think he's going to see a lot of stuff boxes. And I don't think Nick Foles is the answer. No offense, but Nick Foles was winless last year in Jacksonville. He had three touchdowns to two interceptions in four total games. None of that gives me the warm and fuzzies. I mean, people mm-hmm. are hanging on to that Super Bowl, but there's a reason why he's starting his uh, sixth, you know, in, in his sixth new spot in nine seasons. He's not a great quarterback. I mean, if, if the last thing we remember of old Nick Foles is him holding up that Lombardi Trophy, go back and watch last year of him in the Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. He was bad. And mm-hmm. he was bad. And the only thing dumber than the Jacksonville Jaguars giving him all that money was the Bears trading for him to give him all that money. <laughs> yeah. You, you I, know, you I, know I, so, yeah. so just to circle it all back, man, if, if they were to uh, be more creative, because Nagy's supposed to be that guy. He, he has that label. He was supposed to be the next, the next McVay, and mm-hmm. he's not been. And that, that was my concern. That's why they did not make. I do love Tariq Cohen, though. Tariq Cohen, again, 
Same thing as some of the others we mentioned. Let someone else take David Montgomery. I will, especially in a full point PPR, I will mm-hmm. much, much more uh, rather have Cohen late in a full point PPR. Yeah, and I know you liked Cohen. That's why I was surprised that they didn't. That wasn't enough. Uh, Montgomery for me just seems like so safe. They, they He's were the in guy the top that dodged half. a lot of of uh, work, you know. Yeah, they were in the top half. When, when I was when I was charting these things out at a doubleheader, mm-hmm. good thing my son doesn't listen to the games because when you spend six hours in the sunshine uh, on, on a ninety yeah. degree Saturday, you need something to take your mind off of your misery. And I was going through and, and ranking these and where I see them going. So th- that mm-hmm. was my th- – and the offensive line's not great. A couple other things. Yeah. So that, that wasn't too far off, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, it definitely is not not the uh, the offensive situation like some of these other guys that we were talking about earlier. The, the last one for me that didn't make the list that, again, that for me I have a little bit higher – there are some question marks on who that the second guy is, but I, I do think it's an interesting uh, point to bring up is – for me, it's still the Chargers. Uh, Eckler is, you know, coming off a fantastic season. We all know that. But, I mean, his numbers on the ground were so top-heavy to that first month of the season. And then once Gordon came back, uh, well, I, I did. I wrote an article, and this came up, so that's why I, I have the numbers in front of me here. But Eckler had only had 132 rush attempts last year, and 42% of those came in that first four games. After that, his rush attempts dipped from 14 a game to six. Uh, and he had zero rushing touchdowns after Melvin Gordon returned. So I just think, again, kind of similar to the Bears situation is that, you know, while it's a little bit more crowded because it's Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly, but I do think it's Eckler and then running downs back, you know, and, and the offense isn't going to be as good. But I, for me, they were been good enough as far as just a combo. I think that those two guys, whoever they are going to be, is going to be startable, um, you know, on a week in and week out basis, just based off of that running downs back probably getting you know 12 plus carries a week and goal line work yeah for, for me it was not knowing what josh kelly's going to be i don't think mm-hmm. i don't buy into justin jackson at all he's right like, yeah that's yeah he's like a poor man's version of austin austin eckler there's a reason mm-hmm. why eckler was getting so much work in those first few games last year before melvin mm-hmm. gordon come back it's because justin jackson's not very good i think he might be a, yeah. be- a better athlete than player and i'm i am i am super Super intrigued by Joshua Kelly. I've been drafting him everywhere in Dynasty. We started talking about him back in February on the show when we had all of our great guests covering rookies on there. It's just I, I my biggest concern there is the PPR volume with these mobile run first quarterbacks. You know, I think it was uh, I think the stat was that Saquon Barkley's uh, pass targets per game went down by two full targets from Eli to Daniel Jones. And, you know, mm-hmm. some of these guys are just much more likely to tuck the ball and run it. And I think that's why you saw so few receptions out of the running backs in Baltimore because Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson doesn't check it down. He runs it. Right. And even uh, Herbert is a mobile-ish quarterback. So I think part of the allure there was Uncle Phil. I'll be happy, more than happy to be <laughs> wrong. I'm, uh, I, I am severely invested in both Eckler and Josh Kelly in, in this league again they were in the top 16 as well um, easily gotcha. e- easily uh, was considered it was just uh, Eckler was so good that I thought he mm-hmm. could elevate his rookie counterpart the way that Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones was I know people are going to give me a lot of pushback on that but remember I had those guys like at five six and eight somewhere yeah. in that neighborhood and, and they were certainly in the mix 
So. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely with you on Kelly. He's the guy that I have a lot of shares of too coming out of this. And I, I think he's going to be the guy. And it's just, again, that balance of, you know, yeah, I, I think you have a great point there with the PPR um, angle and like how many pass attempts these, or, you know, targets these running backs are going to get um, in LA now after old Phil has uh, traveled to you to live in Indy with you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we, we, we have a nice home. My, my, my wife and I have, you know, worked real hard, but we don't have enough room for Phil and his 15 kids. No. Uh, uh, he's, he's, he's more than welcome. I mean, we could put like, I mean, we could, he's got the money. We could buy a crap ton of bunk beds and just line the walls of my studio. I, I thought behind, I, I thought between the East wing and the guest house, you might be able to put him up. Uh, negative ghost rider. I would, I, I would be, I would be like this the whole time. I'm trying to record podcasts. Shh, shh. Little rivers, little rivers, be quiet. Little rivers, <laughs> little rivers. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you jumping on with me next week. Uh, we're going to have our new doctor, our new doctor on staff here at the dynasty war zone. His name is Kyle Bowser. I don't know what his Twitter handle is yet. Cause I'm going to make him change it maybe to like dynasty doc or DWZ doctor or something like that, but he is a doctor of physical therapy, and he's going to be on the show a lot, um, talking about injuries, timetables to return, uh, things of that. So next week on the final show where we're doing rankings, we've been doing these rankings to get us through the the dog days of summer. So Kyle's going to jump on, not Kyle, August of the Fantasy Smackdown, but the, the new doctor. We're going to break down the uh, 10 guys who are uh fighting the most likelihood to be injured in 2020 but uh this kyle mr kyle august again of the fantasy football smackdown man remind these people where they can check out the new pod yeah uh where any of the major podcasting platforms just search fantasy football smackdown it should be there again it was the same feed as the fellas so if you were subscribed there um might be already there so check it out in your feed had memphis on a couple weeks ago Stole Jerry this week, so that was a lot of fun. Been and been having just some uh, some good buddies on to kind of get used to being the solo host. But uh, you can give me a follow on Twitter at KyleFFellas. You can follow the new pod handle at FF Smackdown Pod. And again, if you want to get in on that happy virtual happy hour next week, I'm looking forward to hanging out with a lot of people. So if you want to get on that, all the details are going to be pinned over on my Twitter profile or just check out this week's show with Jerry. We can talk about that a little bit more, but uh, I always appreciate you having, having me on. Hopefully you haven't, hopefully you can, have, there's enough room for two Kyles uh, on this show. Cause I like coming on here and hanging out with you, bro. And it's like, it's like the Highlander. There can only be one, uh, but no man, <laughs> there, there, there's always room for you here. You, uh, you, you might as well be family. And remember if you are interested in getting uh, in on that Jersey rank, the fantasy football, Smackdown, rank the Dynasty War Zone, screenshot both, and then if you want the third bonus entry, send us a picture of you doing good in the neighborhood. You can send those to DynastyWarzone at gmail.com or to FantasyFootballSmackdown.com. But again, on behalf of Mr. Kyle August, I am Memphis, and here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you here on Friday for the three-team parlay. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value 
by entering in the promo code DWZ ring. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season.